This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR or Informa, its parent company. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Cameron Brandt, Director of Research at EPFR, uh, and I'm joined by senior member of our EMEA team, Steve Muzzlewhite, uh, and a senior representative of our quantitative research team, Vikram Sramurthy. Today, we'd like to take you quickly through a new offering that we've been releasing in phase steps over the past five months, one that is centered on fixed income flows and holdings data uh, at the individual security level. Steve Muzzlewhite has joined us from the EMEA team to discuss EPFR's fixed income barometer, a tool that allows debt capital markets, liability management, and research teams to visualize the current trends in bond ownership at both an issue and issuer level. Also, Vikram Samurthy from our quant team will share a quant perspective of EPFR's fixed income flows and holding data. Uh, It provides an insight into the appetite for and allocations to uh, individual sovereign and corporate bond funds. To get the information, we utilize a subset uh, of our overall database, which is drawn from 138,000 funds with over 50 trillion in assets under management. Uh, this smaller universe uh, encompasses a little under 3 trillion and 2,000 individual funds, which provides some insight into 50,000 different uh, bonds uh, and fixed income securities. The initial phase of the launch was in the fourth quarter of 2021 uh, when we released it in order that uh, debt capital markets could utilize its directional uh, and narrative qualities uh, while we continue to refine it for uh, use by uh, quantitative applicants uh, who needed a longer history and some more refinements to the core data. At this point, I'm going to ask Steve to give a brief description of uh, the use case for the debt capital markets desks uh, and how that uh, moves up the ladder to quant users. Yeah, thanks, Cam. Um, I think this, uh, this data set clearly provides a fantastic uh, insight into the very world that the debt capital market desks are working in. Uh, The ability to drill down further than just looking at flows uh, at a top level with regards funds, but getting into issuer and issue uh, level granularity is really going to add a huge amount of value to debt capital market desks. So firstly, if we look at it from an issuer perspective, uh, the ability to look at all of the issues from a particular issuer uh, and how they're held across all of the funds that are reporting to us can provide insight into uh, things like the most favoured maturity of an issue by mutual funds and ETFs, uh, things like the fund domicile, if there's a focus of funds domiciled in the US for, for a certain issuer, 
and even all the way down to SRISG to see if the marketplace is uh, considering an individual issue or issuer to be uh, socially responsible. Uh, and all of this information, as with a lot of the data that we have, um, can be used in empirical data uh, included within DCM pitch books uh, for their clients. And the ability to sit down with the Treasury Department of an issuer and actually show them an up-to-date view of how their debt is held across the asset management community, uh, I think will add a lot of value to debt capital market desks. In addition, I think where our data uh, really starts to stand out is when we start to combine not only the allocation data uh, we have with regards which issues are being held uh, by active and passive portfolio managers and individual funds, but when we start to combine that uh, with the actual fund level flow data uh, to produce some uh, derived security level flow information. Uh, and again, as with all of our, our data sets, as and when we, we start to produce new data sets, the demand comes from the market to see um, from a quantitative perspective how they can use uh, this data to give uh, to give them an edge in the work they do. And I guess from that perspective, I'll hand over to Vic to talk about quantitative perspective. Thanks. So one of the things that's happened recently in bond markets has been the collapse of Evergrande bonds. Evergrande is a giant uh, Chinese property developer. They have lots of massive backlog of unfinished apartments. They have $300 billion in debt. Uh, and the Chinese government has recently uh, clamped down on debt-to-cash flow ratios and uh, permitted debt-to-asset levels. So we decided to look at the Evergrande bonds through the lens of bond-level holdings. Now, in the academic research, uh, Chang Hong and Stein uh, looked at equities, and, and they found that widely held equities tended to outperform equities held by few funds. So we took that same approach with Evergrande. To begin with, we just looked at the, the most widely held Evergrande maturities, and these were the March 22, the June 2023, and the June 2025 maturity. And we found that when looking at these maturities, the number of funds holding uh, these maturities peaked well before the collapse in Evergrande bonds. Now, the collapse in Evergrande bonds took place after May of last year. But even accounting for the two-month lag in knowing the data reported to our database, the longest dated maturity, June 25, uh, peaked in November of, of 2020. Actually, it peaked in September of 2020, but this was known by November. And so looking at the fund count, looking at the ownership, you, one would have predicted the collapse of Evergrande bonds that happened uh, later that year. So this is just one example of academic research that can be applied to our data we can do further research by looking at active and passive mutual funds and ETFs. The data allows us that level of granularity. Further, one is able to combine the fund flow data, the flow into individual funds, 
together with their ownership in individual bonds. And that should lead to some very powerful insights going forward. Uh, back to you, Cam. As uh, Vic has illustrated, this is a data set that does lend itself uh, to factor-based research. Uh, EPFR has a uh, small stock of, of in-house ones that are available to clients uh, as, a, as a way to sort of open their investigation of this data set from a quantitative perspective. Many clients simply prefer to ingest the data and do their own uh, work on it. Um, it is uh, available via an STP feed, or we can send it uh, through basic Excel spreadsheets. Um, it is certainly our goal to both expand the history and the coverage over time, uh, but for the moment, the current range, which is from the fourth quarter of 2018, uh, and the coverage that I outlined in the introductory remarks, is the breadth uh, and, and length of the data set uh, as delivered. So with that, uh, I will again thank you for your attention. Um, you can reach us through the EPFR and Inform of Financial Intelligence websites, and uh, we obviously welcome uh, any questions. Thanks for listening to the EPFR Exchange podcast. For more information or to suggest a topic for a future podcast, please visit epfr.com slash podcast.